0: in here, New Hope Radio. Glad to have you come aboard today. Got a good topic on hand. I think you're really going to appreciate this because we're going to talk about the Lord Jesus and we're really going to get a very uh, biblical approach to who he is, what he came to do, and why we need to know him. And the reason I'm going to talk about this today. I've noticed preaching in the modern church lately, it's no longer Christ-centered. Have you noticed that? It's more man-centered for some reason. I don't know why it's changing. We don't hear a lot of teachings about Jesus, but we hear a lot of teachings about ourselves. Oh yeah, we hear about our happiness, our success, our desires, how to be a better this, but not much about Jesus himself. Here's something we all need to realize. We are not our hope. We are not. Our hope is found somewhere else. Our lives, no matter how good or bad they might be, Our hope is still in Christ, and we have to remember that. Hope is nowhere but in one person, and that person is the Lord Jesus. So we're going to take a genuine look at Jesus Christ today, and possibly, because so many people see him in many different ways, really get the proper perspective of who he is. And maybe this is a message for those that don't really know him. Maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian. Maybe you're like, oh, you have some kind of belief, and maybe you're investigating. Maybe you're curious. That's okay. That's good. But we want to present to you um, the biblical perspective of who Christ is. You know why? Some see him differently. Some say, oh, he's a good teacher. Others say he's a prophet. Others believe he's a good old uncle who never gets angry. And yet, on the other hand, they see him as a harsh judge. And those that are really in tune see him as Savior of the world. So the question is, how do you see Jesus? That's the most important question. How do you see him? One little boy said, well, we can't see him, but he's the one who opens the door at the grocery store. <laughs> those electric doors, Jesus is a little more than that. Actually, he's a lot more than that. So let's take a look today at the two sides of Jesus. Jesus Christ came with a mission. And during that mission, he was asked by one of the disciples, Philip, in John 14. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus gave a great answer. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Wow. Think about that. Think about every religion in the world that needs to know that. All those that pass over Christ, trying to see God. And Jesus said, he that has seen me, he has seen the Father. So a big part of the mission of Christ, besides providing atonement for the sins of the world, was to reveal the Father. So in Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, here's what it says. God, after he spoke long ago to the prophets, I mean to the fathers in the prophets, in other words, he used the prophets to talk to their ancestors, in many portions and in many ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So we see right here, Jesus is number one, heir of all things, And he's the creator. Jesus Christ is the creator of the world. He's the creator of everything. And Hebrews goes on to say, He is the radiance of his glory, speaking of God the Father's glory, and the exact representation of his nature, God the Father's nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. So Christ, we're going to see today, holds everything together by his powerful words. Because that's how he brought the creation into existence. He spoke it, and it came to be. And then it says, when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Purification of sins, what did he do? He washed sins away for those that believe. We've been made new. We've been made clean. So one person gives this analogy. As the brilliance of the sun is inseparable from the sun itself, that's S-U-N. So the sun's radiance, S-O-N, is inseparable from the deity, for he himself is God, the second person of the Trinity. Because the Son Himself is God, He is the absolute, authentic representation of God the Father. In other words, they both maintain deity. So God, Jesus Christ is a, is a, an, a, I don't want to say expression. He's the outflow of God the Father. We're going to see He's the radiance of God the Father. Like the rays come out from the sun, but it's still the sun. Christ is the revealer of God, though he's still God. You know, back in ancient mythological Greece, they had a God called Atlas. Remember that statue? And he had the world on his shoulders. Atlas was holding up the world, right? Well, Jesus Christ doesn't hold up the world. He holds it together. He holds it together. He created it, and he holds it together. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me all the confidence in the world that it's at his authority. That, you know, nothing is going to happen to this planet unless Jesus says it's going to happen. Think about that for a minute. Nothing is going to happen to this planet unless Jesus says that it's going to happen. Okay. We can't destroy what God has created. Think about that. So let's get back to Christ being the outshining of God the Father. Hebrews called him the radiance. Radiance means outshining. It, it, it means away from and brightness. Again, picture the rays of the sun shining out. Jesus is not a reflection of God's glory. No, he's not a reflection. He is the outshining that has the same essence as God. If you have a mirror and you see a reflection of yourself, that mirror is not you. You're you. And Jesus isn't a reflection of God. He is God. He's made of the same essence. And he has shown forth to mankind to show us, oh, what God is like. He is the effulgence or the outshining of God the Father's glory. Just like you cannot look at the sun, right? But you can see the rays in the atmosphere. You look at the sun, you'll be blinded. But you can see the rays. You ever see the rays come down from the sun? Oh, it's beautiful. You cannot see God, but you can see Jesus and the world. He is the true light that comes into the world. So again, you think he was speaking about himself as the rays of God, coming in as the light? See, the rays of the sun light the world. And Jesus Christ, the, outsh- the outshining of God, He is the light of the world. He's the radiance of the glory and also the exact representation of God the Father's nature. Now, that little phrase, exact representation, Hebrews 1.3, it's the Greek word character. And that means a tool for engraving or a figure stamped, okay? Now, let me give you kind of a very simplistic, hopefully not heretical analogy. How many of you have played with silly putty as a kid? I think we all had silly putty, right? And we would make things and stretch them and all that stuff. And if you put a coin in the silly putty and took it out, you had the exact imprint of the coin, right? Did you do that? I did that. We'd stick things in the putty and take it out, and you'd have an exact imprint. That's what Jesus is to the Father. As far as our human sight goes, he's the exact imprint, really the exact image of God. So he's the outshining of God. He's the image of God. He's the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. The word nature means substance. It's the Greek word hypostasis. Jesus is the outshining of the substance of God. He is deity. Here's where I want to talk about the two sides of Jesus. Number one, he's the exact image of God. He possesses deity. But number two, he also possesses humanity. Oh, he's one of us. He entered the human realm. He came as a baby, and he grew up a young boy, a young adult, and he became a man. The union of these two natures, of deity and humanity, it's called the hypostatic union. It's the outshining of God embodied in human form, yet without the loss of deity. That's who Christ is. The outshining of God embodied in human form without the loss of deity. Okay. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. One, one in essence, one in relationship, one in character. They are one, two distinct personalities. Sharing the same essence, attributes, virtues, character. Okay, so someone says, oh, "What does that have to do with me?" So if Jesus is God in me, okay, well, big deal. What's that got to do with me? Well, that's that's a good question. Here's where it gets personal. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And uphold, you know what that means? To hold up. (laughs) That's right. He not only holds everything together, but he maintains it as well. He maintains it. You know, we got these people freaking out over global warming. First, oh, first it was global warming, now it's climate change. And we got people parading and protesting and blocking roads, and they're going to save the planet. You know, and we're murderers for driving cars. But wait a minute. The Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. That tells me the song is true. He's got the whole world in his hands. I'm not worried. As long as in the world is in the hands of Christ, and it is, I'm not worried. Because he main- he created it, he maintains it, and he upholds it. You see how great faith is? Faith, man, faith helps me relax. I can go concentrate on other things. I don't have to lay across a road. I don't have to make a sign and carry it and walk around with it. I don't have to judge other people that drive cars. No, I can enjoy life because I know that not only is my life in the hands of God, the whole world is in the hands of God. That's that's security. That's satisfying to know. Paul said in Colossians 1.17, speaking of Christ, he is before all things. That means he's preeminent. He's the most important. And in him, oh, here it comes, all things hold together. I like that. In him, all things hold together. Okay, so if you know that Jesus, if you know the Jesus who can hold the whole physical world, and the universe together, then you know the Jesus who can hold you together. That's why it's important. That's why this is personal. Because if he can hold the galaxies together, he can hold you together. Yes, he can hold you together in your trials and in your testings. He can hold you together in your worries and and in your wonders. He can hold you together in your tears and your fears. He'll hold you together in your successes and your losses, in your joys and your discouragements. He'll hold you together. Jesus told people how important they are to him. You know what he said? And you've heard this, I'm sure. Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? A sparrow stands for that which is insignificant, of little value. There's a little tiny bird, little baby bird. All right? I got a bird feeder in my front yard. I like to look out my window and watch the birds. And little sparrows come. They're so tiny. And they just sit there on the bird feeder and they eat the seed, little tiny birds. And then sometimes the blue jays come and chase them away. And I'm like, you dirty blue jays, get out of there. And then the doves come. There's two doves. They come, and they're on the ground, and they eat the seed that falls on the ground. And then I got this little woodpecker. He comes, and he helps himself, and a little yellow chickadee shows up. And I got a Mr. and Mrs. Cardinal. They come. And um, they're all having a ball, having bird seed, and I like sitting there. So it reminds me, wait a minute now. God is providing for them through me. That's okay. And they're only little birds. How much more will God God provide for us? So, and yet Jesus continued, even though they're very common, yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Not one. God knows them all. And then he said, Indeed, which means most certainly. Now he really gets personal. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. That speaks of how personal God is with us, how much he knows us. Oh, he knows you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes you happy, what makes you sad. He knows everything. You know, even David said, before there's a word in my mouth, he knows it. Are you kidding me? God knows what you're going to say before you say it. And then Jesus said, Okay, because of all this, do not fear. You are of more value than many sparrows. Do not fear. How do I know I have faith? I do not fear. Because my faith is in God. The God who created the universe. The God who created the world. And he upholds it. And he maintains it. And he keeps it together. And he does that with my own life. And he assures that my soul will arrive in heaven one day. Hey, so I can live in faith, and I don't need to live in fear. People's lives today, they're filled with fear. You know why? Because they're looking in the wrong place. They look at the condition of all the countries of the world. They look at world events, and they become fearful. They look at our own country here in America. They look at the economy and inflation, and they become fearful. Financially, people are losing jobs for one reason or another. They become fearful. Relationally, marriages, friendships, they're all so fragile today. Why are marriages and friendships so fragile today? They can't stand the test of time. What is wrong? Personally, sometimes people have very little self-worth and you know what? They live in fear. They live in fear of society. They live in fear of failure. They live in fear of attempting something, maybe taking a risk or trying something new. Fear, 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 fear. It's paralyzing. Now, maybe life has always been this way, I don't know. But because Jesus is God, He has the power to sustain you. And also, because He's a member of the human race, He can also identify with you. See, we have a God that knows what it is to be you because he was one of us. All the other religions of the world, they don't have that. Their gods are afar off somewhere. There's no identification, but the Lord Jesus became a human. He knows what it is to be a human here on planet earth and he never lost his deity. Let's look at some of the hardships of Jesus born in a stable in Luke chapter 2. Grew up in Nazareth, a very poor village, in Matthew chapter 2. His father disappeared from the Scriptures when he was very young. Where did he go? I guess he died, because he was a good man. He didn't leave. Jesus was the oldest of four brothers, and at least two sisters, according to Matthew 13. He was called beside himself in the King James Bible, by his own family. Beside himself means he was either out of his mind or carried away with enthusiasm. His brothers didn't even believe in him, in John chapter 7. He was accused of serving Satan, in Mark chapter 3, denied by a friend, Matthew 26, betrayed by a team member, Matthew 26, crucified though innocent, in Luke 23. Now, let me ask you. Do any of these circumstances resonate with you? Born in obscurity. Right. Were you born in a place where no fanfare? Wasn't a great place? Grow up in poverty? I mean, you grew up in the city? You grew up in the back end of town? Single parent home? Jesus did Maybe you grew up in a single-parent home, big family, you wore all hand-me-downs, you walked away from the dinner table hungry, didn't always have breakfast, and yet when you found God, you're criticized for loving God. You ever been there? Criticized because you love God, because you believe in Jesus? Like Jesus was criticized too. Do you ever have motives that were judged wrongly? You know that you did something, you had good intentions, but you were accused of having bad intentions? Jesus did. Were you ever denied or betrayed or hurt by others? Probably. So was Jesus. Think about it. How much of our lives are like Jesus? Or how much was Jesus' life like ours? I think there's a lot of similarities there. And he wants you to know something today. Do not fear. You are of more value than many sparrows. Do not fear. See, nothing hinders your value. Your age doesn't hinder your value. Your health doesn't hinder your value. Your popularity doesn't hinder your value. Even the quality of life that you live. That doesn't hinder your value. Your failures, nope. Even your own view of self doesn't hinder your value. Nothing does. That's why Paul could say in Colossians 1.17, Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus sustains the world and everything in it. See, no one can sustain themselves. We have a limit. We're very limited in our sustainability, right? I know I am. You kidding? (laughs) And if you think you have so far sustained yourself, you just haven't reached your limit yet. That's all. And maybe when you get to your limit, that'll be the best place in life to arrive at. And that's when you call on Christ. And he's right there waiting. Oh, he's waiting to be gracious. So don't wait till you get there, because then it's painful. Let him sustain you now. If he has been sustaining you and you know it, that's great. That's awesome. You're always looking up to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You got me through that one. You helped me out with this one. You walk in prayer. Why? Because you know that he's there for you every moment of every day. And maybe you're just realizing it right now. And start today. Start today realizing none of us can sustain ourselves. We need God's help. And God is more than willing to be there for us. Oh, he's more than willing. We are of more value than many sparrows, and he knows the life of every sparrow. He knows everyone. Think about it. He's called every star by name. Pew. Some people can't even remember their own kids' names. (laughs) He named all the stars. They're all named. right. So think think about the security that we have in knowing that Jesus Christ is God and He sustains everything. He holds everything together. And He's also man so He can identify with all of us in our trials and our tribulations. And when you pray... You're praying to someone that knows what it is to be you. They know what it is to be poor. They know what it is to be misunderstood. They know what it is to be accused falsely, to be hurt, to be betrayed, to have a, being a single family, to maybe to not have a full meal every night. We don't know. There were seven in the family. And with a single mother, that's pretty difficult. And Jesus was there. And he was there for his family. He was the oldest. He went to work, provided for his family as a young adult. We don't read much about his life in his 20s, but I'm sure he was working hard to to provide for all of his brothers and sisters and his mom. And that's not even uncommon. We've got some good young men and women today. They work very hard to provide for their families because maybe the breadwinner is missing and that's what they do. Oh, you're so much like Jesus. I'll tell you what, we need to look up. Oh yeah? Look up. Set your affections on things above not under the things of the earth. You know why? We're here in Christ. Fear not what man can do to you, but fear the one that can destroy the body and soul in hell. And that's God. God is the powerful one. And let me tell you something. In order to get to you, they have to go through God. And God has a plan. We don't know what that plan is, but it's always God's will just keep that in mind. And just remember, you're of more value than all the birds in the world. Okay? You're of more value than all of them. So just keep on looking up. That's it. Keep on looking up. And God will hold you together by all means. Thank you for coming along today. Let's abide in the two sides of Jesus.